0: The reading this morning is from Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21, which is on page 1185. So, a prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
1: Well, good morning. Uh, We haven't got long to look at this uh, passage this morning, so what I'd really encourage you to do is to use it during the course of this week, uh, either in home groups or in your individual times of prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, it is an amazing prayer. Paul is absolutely passionate about seeing the Christians in Ephesus growing in their faith and recognizing and receiving all that God has for them. And there's an incredible list of some of the things that he longs for, for those Christians in Ephesus. He speaks of the glorious riches of God. He speaks of Christ dwelling in their hearts, residing in their hearts. What a picture that is! He speaks of a love that surpasses knowledge. And his desire is that they are filled to a measure of all the fullness of God. And it's a good use of time to actually reflect on that. What do those things actually mean? He desires the very, very best for that Christian community. And he cries out for one who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now, as I was uh, reflecting on that, I was taken back to uh, Fridays and five o'clock and Crackerjack. Now, some of you are thinking, "What?" But if you're roughly my age or slightly older, you may remember. Fridays, five o'clock, and Crackerjack, and there was uh, a game that was played there. I can't quite remember the details, but basically, you had to answer questions, and you got loaded up with prizes, and you had to carry a whole load of, of prizes. And I think if you got a question wrong, you got given a cabbage for some reason as well. And if you got three cabbages, you lost the game. But I was thinking of the image of this person loaded up with gifts, and that's what it's like as God's people. That we're loaded up with gifts. There's so many good things that God has given us. And Paul's desire was that the Christians in Ephesus and that we too might be just overloaded with those gifts. But actually, if we're overloaded with things, we're not actually going to be too much use if we just keep those things to ourselves. We're just wandering around under a heavy weight of things. Actually, those things are meant to be shared. And so that's true with our faith and the riches that we know of God ourselves are to be shared with others. Hence this initiative, which is called Thy Kingdom Come, which the Archbishop of Canterbury has uh, spearheaded and highlighted. We're just going to watch a short video with the Archbishop. Very impressive, actually. He's out there in his running gear, running around the streets of London, and uh, he tells us a little bit about Thy Kingdom Come. There's a number of ways in which we're looking to engage with this uh, call to prayer. One of those is... uh, Starting a week on Monday, so what's that, Monday the 22nd, we're going to have some early morning times of prayer here, 7 o'clock in the morning uh, for half an hour, a brief reflection at the beginning of each session, and then time to pray, looking outwards to the community and looking outwards and thinking of those friends we have who don't yet know Christ. So that will be uh, in the uh, foyer area from a week on Monday. So that's one opportunity to come together to pray. Also, in the pews, you will find um, some bookmarks and some prayer bands. Those who were at the men's breakfast yesterday, don't worry, I've now found my prayer band. It's all right. And these prayer bands, the idea is that you think of people you know, people you come into contact with. It may be family members, it may be friends, it may be work colleagues, maybe people you meet at the school gate. Think of those folk who don't yet know Christ and for each of them just tie a knot in this band and uh, probably say encourage up to five knots in the band and then either wear it around your wrist or perhaps place it in your Bible, uh, stick it to the fridge, have it somewhere fairly obvious where you will see it regularly and it will be a prompt to pray for those individuals. And over these coming weeks and months, I really encourage you to be praying for those individuals that they might come to know Christ, that they might come to know some of the riches that Paul writes of and prays for in his prayer in Ephesians 3. So I uh, do encourage you to use the prayer bands. Um, in, on the bookmarks, there's space to write down the names of those people you're praying for. And again, to have that somewhere prominent where you'll see it and be reminded and prompted to pray, And of course we can do that in a variety of different ways. We can do that as individuals in our own prayer times. We'd also like to really encourage you in terms of prayer triplets. There are many folks here who are meeting with a couple of other people or sometimes in quads and praying for one another. And it's great to be able to pray for one another, but it's important also that we're looking outwards towards the world and outwards towards those we know who don't yet know Christ. So we're encouraging prayer triplets specifically to be praying outwardly and for those friends and contacts and also in our home groups over these coming weeks. And during the month of uh, June there'll be opportunities for us to come together on a Tuesday evening here to be encouraged and equipped and em- empowered to share our faith with greater confidence. A lot of this, myself included, don't always find it easy to talk about Jesus in the natural environments when we're with our friends or in our sports clubs or wherever we might be. And so we've got various people who will be helping us uh, with that um, over those Tuesday evenings during June. More details uh, on that will follow. But uh, those are just some of the ways we can engage with this Pledge to Pray, Thy Kingdom Come. So the prayer bands, the bookmarks, the prayer week the opportunities during June and that family kit that uh, Anita mentioned at the beginning it really is a really creative way of praying there's about uh, I think it's about 15 different activities in that box there's sweets, there's key rings, there's all sorts and uh, a little sort of worksheet that shows you how, can you how you can use those things to pray creatively in the context of community so let's not just be selfish and hold on to all that God has given us let's be generous and share it with those around, and let's pray that many might come to know the great love of Christ for themselves. Well, if you've
2: got a leaflet which uh, the Building for Life team have produced, you'll see that there is a photograph of these windows. These are windows that uh, are of our church. As you look round, Chris Dobson's and his magic and made it possible for us to see these windows in, I want to say a new light, but they are magnificent and show something of the light streaming in. It's the light of God's love shining upon us. These are original windows that have been here for almost 200 years and they've been looked through by generation after generation onto a changing world. And those uh, generations that have worshipped here over those years have made changes to this building that are been relevant to that changing society and the opportunities to be a church that speaks of today in whatever culture they were in. But I took that image as reflecting a window of opportunity that we have What kind of building is needed that speaks of life in the 21st century and speaks into the life of the 21st century? And many years ago now, not all of you were involved in this, but we had a major consultation of the whole church and of people outside the church asking people what kind of church is needed for that vision of a church that speaks to the world today is needed. And as that vision has emerged, certain plans have taken shape, been refined and reformed over many different different changes that have happened. We've prayed that God would reveal His purposes and His plans for us. And as the builder of everything, we can trust Him as we go forward. The Building for Life team has sought to work with architects to discover how that vision can be expressed in the potential that we have in this building with all its limitations to adapt it and to make it ready for the 21st century. And this window that we have now is a window into the future. And I want to spend a few moments speaking about that under four headings. It's as if the window has four panels Four panels of glass. One is vision. The second is partnership with the poor. The, second is, the third is resources. And the fourth comes under the heading of surrender. Let me first of all talk about what the vision for this reordering is about. We looked at this in the annual church meeting. We talked about it a lot. But it comes under three headings. Community, creativity and Christian spirituality. Community, that this building might be a building for the community and a gift to the community. You know, one of the things that I (laughs) had a crazy moment thinking was when it's all finished, and if we had a few thousand pounds left over, I would love to get a company. And I've seen this in the Audi garage uh, on the M4 in South Wales when it first opened just outside of Cardiff. A massive ribbon going over the side and the ends with a big bow on the top of it that we could tie and offer this building as a gift, a new gift for this community. It is, as Mike said in his presentation, a hub of life at the heart of this community. It's a a place that has a sense of being used by the community and builds a community life, our fellowship together. Secondly, it's a place where creativity can flourish and be celebrated. It's adaptable enough to be able to free us to express worship in many different ways, using the flexible space with chairs instead of the pews to enable that to happen. And many ways that creativity, which is latent within so many people here, and those to come, can be facilitated. And thirdly, a place where Christian spirituality is at at its heart. In our week of prayer, in the beginning of this year, perhaps the most powerful prayer on the prayer board that was expressed was, may this place be a house of prayer for all nations. I really believe that is God's call for us, to become more and more a house of prayer so that people can find peace and encounter God in their busy lives so that when we invite them to come and see, to come and find Christ, they may encounter something of his life in the vibrancy of the worship and in the solitude of his peace. I'd like us to try to Think for a moment now about how this vision can be is being translated, and we've got drawings, and you can see them outside there, and plans and things and visualisations of what the front, the new building at the front will be, and the new building to the side, the Grace Room there, as they're going to call it, W.G. Grace, but also God's Grace, that looks out onto the cricket field. But uh, I wonder uh, if, uh, if if Paul can just sort of do a bit of magic here. He's brought. Some, uh, some visualizations that can help us to see something of the nature of this church. This isn't exactly what it's going to look like, but it gives you a flavor. I would want to say it's going to look even more wonderful than this. So what, uh, you can see the plans that we've got there. and you, It's too small to see, but they're on your document as well. Um, and then inside, Now, I wonder if we can just turn the lights off here a second. This is a, a reconstruction of Christchurch. The chairs, we've yet to discover uh, decide what exactly which chairs we're going to use for this. But you can see that, that the openness of that arrangement allows us to be very flexible in what we're doing. The light coming through, so you know, we're having to keep the side balconies, but they will be used much more flexibly with space for people to meet and just keeping the front row of balcony uh, pews. And there's flexible screens that will be able to slide back and open up so that we can use that welcome space in lots of different ways as well. What's the next one, Paul. Just a different angle on it with a light shining through. Sorry you can't see it too well. But there are many different parts of the church. Are we able to do a bit of a a run on the the internet thing? Is that going to work? Oh, here we are. This is... uh, this is the bird's eye view. might be Jeff Cole's drone <laughs> view as well. It's lovely to see Jeff here this morning and to, uh, to see how that might be seen by the, the birds that circle around. So the, the back entrance, the new side entrance, in the, uh, the, the new grace room from that side, the side entrance coming through. And you can see we're hoping to have glass panels in part of those doors so that there's a connection between inside and out. Please do pray for the planning permission that uh, is needed just to do that little bit. <laughs> so we go into the, 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 uh, the front doors, which will be sliding glass doors, and go into the welcome space that has the facility for sliding backwards and forwards with a, 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 a welcome desk on the left-hand side, And uh, the opportunity for a huge, a much bigger kitchen on the right-hand side, there to the right. So that's something that will uh, uh, enlarge our capacity to uh, offer that ministry of hospitality. Just going through the, uh, the doors to the right will allow us to go through. You can see how the levels are all flat. And they'll go, so the dais here has been cut back a bit here, so we won't have people going up and down steps all the way through there. And the connection with the rooms and facilities at the back will be so much easier to, uh, to access, both from the side, new west uh, south entrance, which is over there, and through the church itself. So th- is that where we are? Anything else? Okay, that's looking from, from where we are here so we're keeping the pulpit here and it gives us a view now this is going inside the church we're exploring uh, within the walls itself we're going through the corridor is that right? there we go Okay. so this is the south entrance here the new entrance that will go straight down the pathway into the church, oh thank you that's it so the, the graves and the area around there will all be level. This will all be one level surface. We go in through that uh, side entrance as well. It allows uh, access for people who don't have to go up steps through into the, uh, the new porchway, and you can go left or right into the uh, different areas of the church. Where are we going now? <laughs> Oh, this is in the, in the garden room, is it, Paul? Oh, we're outside. Oh, I see, we're looking through the window. Okay. So the garden room at the back is going to have windows that drop all the way down so there's a real connection with the outside and the spiritual garden and the new, uh, the new inside space as well. That's where the new grace room will be, through to the side where we are here. Okay. Thank you, Paul. I think that gives us a bit of a taste of, uh, of where we are. That's okay. Are we, are we able to show any more? That's it. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. It gives you a bit of an understanding within the, uh, within the limitations that we have of uh, seeing how that vision can become a reality. Okay, so... Oh, thank you. There we are. So that's the garden room where the, the cupboards will be specially kitted out for all the things that we need to store. This is going to be an, a non-cluttered space. That's the great thing. No clutter. It's going to stay just like this. So uh, it will be used in all sorts of ways by uh, local groups as well as our own church. And there's the office space here for our staff and for the CAP office with a folding screen that can be divided and be soundproofed so that there'll be some privacy there as well. There's the garden room with the long windows. And the other windows drop down so it doesn't feel as if you're in a, an institutional sort of, feels a bit like a prison to me <laughs> at the moment. So, And the, the cupboard's there brilliant, thank you that 's really helpful. so let me, let me continue on to the, the, the second the second window, as it were, and that is one part of partnership my voice is getting a bit dry. So the partnership that we have with this building project, you remember that many years ago, uh, I uh, myself and Sue Wotton. Went to Moldova uh, on behalf of uh, 10, that is uh, Transform Europe Now, and we met with a pastor whose life, I think, was incredibly significant in that community. I met him, and the work that he was doing struck us as something that God's hand was totally upon. And When I was talking with him, his name was Misha. This is Misha in his vineyard. He uh, works full-time as a pastor there, but also makes wine in his garden, and the poverty in that place was quite tangible. Moldova is one of the poorest villages, the poorest nations in the whole of Eastern Europe, and his passion to reach out to people in their poverty and in their need was tangible. They live in a village which uh, is accessible only by across fords and across places which uh, you and I wouldn't uh, even (laughs) imagine going. Plenty of ducks and geese, but not many people. But he loves those people in such a way that they know that God loves them. And speaking to people outside where they used to meet, Uh, was something that he loved to do. The issue for Misha and his family came when the place that they were meeting, which was rented by them, was required back by the owners. And they had no church to meet in. And in Moldova, in that culture, if you don't have a church, you're you're seen as a satanic sect. And so the need for a church to meet in was immense. And so we wanted to be able to, as a PCC and as a church, meet that need by pledging 10% of what we give to this project in order to fulfill the potential to see a church built there. And the wonderful thing is that we've been able to accomplish that. And we are now in a position to go over in September a group of people will be going in September to see the opening of that new church. At the moment, it's... Uh, well, it's, it, this was a few months ago. It's now much more completed than that now. But what incredible achievement that they have been able to do that. But, but Misha himself has an, a, a ministry that reaches out to people who haven't had an experience of God's grace. Let me read you part of his letter, which he's... Sent to us recently, that speaks of the very attitude that Nisha has to these folk. I want to tell you about a case from Usoya, which is this village. One day I went to the construction site where the church was, and at one edge of the site there are trees. That the day I saw that some of them, that day I saw that some of them were cut. The trail was leading to the yard where a family with young children lives. The father works abroad, and they were left without any firewood. Well, a week later, we loaded a minibus with firewood and took it to this family's house to help them. Christina, this is the mother's name, thought I was there to rebuke her for the stolen wood. But then, when she saw the firewood donation, she started crying and couldn't believe her eyes. I told her that this is what God teaches us to do, I told her that God loves her. and she told me that she was raised in a monastery. <laughs> but please pray for her too, that she will get to know the true God. That is a, just a, a window into Misha's ministry, and anything that you would like to pledge to 10 percent of that, if you would opt to do that, will go to continue Misha's ministry in Moldova. The other partnership that we're really excited about is that with the Christchurch Junior School. And for the time that we're out of this building, we will be able to worship in the Junior School and use the wonderful facilities that they have. This is a meeting that we had in their hall, and it becomes a space that we'll be able to squash into. It'll be quite cozy, I think, but it'll be a, a great space to be and we'll have all our music and, uh, and visual stuff in the same way. But we'll also have the use of rooms and the facilities in that for our children and youth work too. And Pippa, who was here, the head teacher who came, you remember, uh, and we prayed for her at the beginning of her headship, she has opened her arms in welcome to us. And they're not going to charge us for anything of the facilities of that school. We're so thankful and so grateful to that. So that will build our partnership in many ways with the junior school when we are over there when the new work begins. And thirdly, I just want to move on to how we might resource this project. As you might have seen in the Building for Life document, the resources that are required are quite significant. Already we've been able to receive through gifts from a few people and through the results of getting uh, money from the sale of properties and through a legacy, over £500,000 for this project. So we're well on our way. But the current costings are looking around about, a total of around about a million pounds. And we think, oh, that's a huge amount of money. But God is sovereign, and he is able to provide in ways that we can't imagine. And the question to ask us, for us to ask ourselves, is how can we be caught up in the grace of giving that we talked about and looked at at the beginning of this year? Because the resources are there. You know the story of the vicar who went to the congregation. They were facing a massive building project, and he said, "This got great news. God's provided all the money." Trouble is that most of it's still in your pocket. <laughs> well, God has provided all that we have, and he just asks us to re- ask to pray that he would guide us to how much we can release so that that money can be used to enable this project to happen. We don't want to take money out of our regular giving. We're not going to reduce our giving to the poor. It's an incredible challenge because, you know... A lot of people might think, well, how can we spend all this money on the church building and with all this poverty around in the world? Shouldn't we be giving it to the poor? And I absolutely get that. And I deeply feel the dilemma that we are in as a church. But I believe God is calling us to do something new here. We don't want to restrict what we do with our giving to mission. We want to maintain our giving to the poor. But we want to be able to sacrificially give on top of that. So we've got tithes and offerings to the Lord, enabling him to make us more like Christ in living sacrificially. And our leaflet uh, explains the ways we can do that. On the inside, there's a form that you can complete after you've prayed and really thought about how we might do that and what what part you can play and I can play in this challenge or opportunity that God is giving us. The attitude it requires is one of surrender. And I want finally to ask Martin Brown if he'd come and share something of his experience of surrendering to God, recognizing that all we have is God's and all that we are is his. Martin has been like a father figure in this church. He was here before Sean and I came, and when Sean and I came, he became a rock for us, a source of huge encouragement, and is passionate to see this building project happen. Martin's going to share something of what journey he's been on. As you can see, it's been a journey of massive challenge but his faith is still shining through. Thank you, Thank you Martin.
3: I guess if I'm a father figure, the beard is probably about right, isn't it? Apologise if my voice is a little slurred, I'll talk slowly. We all have pivotal moments in our lives. Myra and I, when we married, wanted the Lord to be at the centre of everything that we did, every decision we made, wanted him to be sovereign over us. Where to live, which church to go to, which jobs to take, what careers to follow, even the number of children to have. And he has blessed us abundantly. And there are specific moments in our lives, pivotal moments linked to Church. And the first one was when we turned up in 1980 in this church. The church itself had pews all the way to the front door and there were choir stalls in the back here. Some of us will remember that, won't we? It was a morning service and we came in here with three boys and a nine. And those of you who remember, at the end of each pew, there were little swing doors. And halfway through the service, boredom set in. Not just for the boys as well, actually, but um, it was a bit stuffy, to be honest. They started banging the doors. Bang, bang, bang. And so we got, shh, really nice welcome. Um, I I dressed. So we left, but we knew that morning that God wanted us here, 1980. On our way out, across the, the uh, school playground, as it was then, someone came up to us and she said, "Would you like us to start a cra for your three-year-old?" We said, "Yeah, great." And so we came back, we discovered there was a Sunday school, so the other two went in there, and we joined the church. And we felt this was right. This was the right place to be. And if I thought that 37 years later I'd be standing up here and in front of you guys, you could have knocked me over the a feather. I thank you for the many prayers and tears that you've offered on our behalf. The second pivotal moment for me was when Myra announced publicly five years ago that she had Alzheimer's, but she was at peace in her situation. The layout of the church was very similar to where it is now, but in that song we sang, there is strength within the sorrow, there's beauty in the tears. And she is settled, she's happy, she's unaware of the situation. But where she is at Osborne Court is the most amazing uh, place for persons suffering at Alzheimer's. The third pivotal moment is today. I saw a neurologist last week, and subject to tests, I've been diagnosed with motor disease. Now, I'm at peace with that. I believe that God is sovereign in everything, including when we're in darkness. You surround me and uphold me, and your promises are my delight. As we, were, we sang that song. Now, it is subject to tests, It may turn out to be something else, but I have to accept that that may be what I have. Now, it may well be that God wishes to heal me miraculously, and that may well happen, but I have to be content in the situation that I find myself in at this moment. I think it's a lesson to us all, really, that it's okay when the sun's shining, but where's our belief when it's not? And I think that's a test for me, at this particular time. So, unless God heals me, my activities are going to change. I will carry on as long as I can doing the things that God has called me to do. But I don't believe I can fulfill my role as PCC Treasurer at the moment. So Jamie has stepped in to take over Proton. The role is very streamlined now, and maybe there's someone else would like to take over for Jamie, who is a very busy guy, as you know. I also leave a gap in the youth team, in the spelling. Your plans are still to prosper, you've not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You're sovereign over us. And today is also, as we've heard, a pivotal moment in the life of this church. A once in generation opportunity, a window of opportunity. At last we've reached a point where work can begin on reordering of the church. That row of cues from thirty some years ago, a distant memory, something new, something wonderful. For work to begin in the autumn, as Joe said, we need approximately a million pounds. We already have more than half that money, so we're looking for a further 400,000 plus by the end of September. If we believe in this project, then we will be prepared to give sacrificially. But what does sacrificial giving look like? Some examples. for going a holiday, a new kitchen, a new car giving up a substantial amount of our savings. Imagine giving away 25% of your savings, if you have any. Or maybe use an inheritance that we've received, instead of using it for ourselves, giving it to the Lord's work. If Jesus is Lord of our lives, and we sing about it every week, then he's the Lord of everything. He's sovereign over us. What is he asking of us today? Will we hold back the money he has provided? We will miss out on so much if we do. Let's not miss this window of opportunity. We would all like to be here, including me, next spring, to share in the blessings God has promised, and to rejoice over what he has done. The Bible is very clear about the responsibilities people have when it comes to the money and possessions he's given them. I'll finish with a few verses from Malachi. And God had been talking to his people and he'd been challenging them and saying, you know what, you've worshipped me but you haven't worshipped me with your hearts because you haven't given to my work the way you should. he tells them that they should do more. And then he makes this wonderful promise in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, test it in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates gates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. a Jack, all that stuff. You will not have room enough for it. If we obey God in this, blessings will follow and it will be far beyond anything we can imagine. Amen.
4: We're going to pray in a minute. Two things before I do. One is that I had no idea what the reading this morning was or what Paul was going to speak on before I prepared these prayers, but that's what God does, as you will see. And the second is, you've been sitting down for a long time, so how about standing to pray together? So why don't you stand up and then we'll pray. Let's join in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of your greatness and your love for us this morning. We are chosen in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And we lift up the name of Jesus, who came to fulfill your purpose in salvation and who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We stand this morning as witnesses to your great loving Christ, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. We declare to one another and to all people that you are our God and that we love you. And in this place of worship this morning, we honor those who have gone before us. We give thanks for those who have heard your calling and in faith established this church and this building. And as we look at the headstones outside and the plaques on the wall, We see a whole gathering of witnesses who, prompted by your Holy Spirit, have dedicated themselves to the proclamation of the gospel of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And while they are now in glory, their legacy lives on in this place, in a thriving worshipping community, together learning what it means to live life in all its fullness, in a worshipping community reaching out to those in need of your love and your touch. Father, we pray that you would build your church here as we claim this place, and this community for Christ. And as recipients of such a great legacy, we pray that we may be equipped to minister in our community, in our day, equipped in lives prepared for service, equipped in love to reach out and touch those in the name of Jesus, equipped with the resources and the buildings to enable your will to be done here as it is in heaven. May our legacy to the next generation be a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of lives reborn in the spirit of God, a place of worship to witness and serve this community of Down End through the whole of this new century or until the Lord comes. And, Father, today as we set out on this monumental journey of faith, we pray for your presence with us. We pray that you would go before us. We pray that you would guide and equip us for all that lies ahead. We pray for all those who are involved in planning and deciding the details of what needs to be done. We ask for sensitivity and wisdom as they discuss and they decide. We pray for all who are part of this church. Give us the gift of prayer. Give us the gift of vision. Give us the gift of generosity as we each play our part. Touch our hearts and our lives as together we participate in this wonderful grace of giving and this grace of praying. Move among us in power. Stir us up. Set our hearts on fire so that, as Paul boasted, of the churches in Macedonia, so too praise will be given to your name through our love, our faith, and our obedience to your calling. And Father, we just want to pray for those at a particular crossroads in their lives this morning. We want to pray for Iona. We want to pray for Bryony. We want to pray for Martin. Lord, we have seen people who have seen extraordinary blessing in recent days. And as these three take time to reflect on what they have experienced and absorb what they have learned, we pray for your protection on them, that they may be able to encourage us. And Father, particularly for Martin, we thank you for his example, for his gift of encouragement, his wisdom, his love for you and his love for us. And now in his time of need, we want to pray for him. And we we remember those words that Jesus told in that story when he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. And as we pray for Martin, we want to pray that prayer that we have already read this morning, that was prayed for the Ephesians, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work, at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and forever. And all God's people said, Amen.